1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA member FDSE.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another video and audio podcast from Fantasy Football Scouts. My name is Az and I am joined on my third of this series of videos of the International Break by the one and only Ted from TED Talks. How are you, Ted?
1: Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, nice to be invited on this series of uh battles as you're calling it so yeah i think the, the season's pretty well set up for lots of excitement in the last eight or nine games so i think it'd be interesting to talk about who's going to win the league yeah no, this is the big one i left the big one
0: for you you jumped in with, with this one um yeah i'm calling them battles to try and uh you know create some excitement you know for the for the videos it's like I was saying to Tom, uh, it will be yesterday when this video is going out on Friday. Uh, it's International break is tough for content because, you know, we've got all the regular content coming back next week, uh, including your video on, on Mondays and, and all that. But, you know, we, we're trying to, I, I quite like international break to do something a little bit different and just kind of see a bit more, look a bit more football-y rather than FPL. But obviously trying to link uh, the two. And this is the final stretch now. So this is the final international break that we've got. Uh, this season so we've covered who we think is going to get relegated we've covered who's going to get the top four and now you and i are going to talk about who's going to win the league so manchester city and liverpool fans strap yourselves in because this should be a good one is that a chess set behind you by the way it is yeah you're a chess player aren't you i am i am. didn't realize you were you were you played oh you were going to join that um charity chess league weren't you
1: i did i did join it i played a few games yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah. I forgot. I forgot. what a nice tangent that was we have
0: we, we have played haven't when you beat me i vaguely you remember played, it now yeah. yeah i remember now <laughs> yeah was oh, terrible memories terrible memories right let's talk uh to football and not chess um so on the screen is the top 10 uh, attacking sides um since january the 1st uh this season uh it's filtered by minutes per chance this table is from the fantasy football scout members area so if you're interested go and check that out and look at that Ted first and second Liverpool first Man City second they create a chance every well 5.1 minutes for Liverpool every 5.4 minutes for City uh, it's the best in the league does that surprise you in any way
1: no I don't think so I I think um the season-long stats uh for both teams are kind of as you as you would expect them I think um Liverpool's defense has been a bit shaky all season long so I think it was um 30 expected goals conceded and they've actually only conceded 20 whereas man City's expected goal conceded 19 that's 11 fewer than, than mm. liverpool but they've only conceded 18 so fairly in line with their expected figures whereas liverpool's massively overperformed their defensive numbers so if you take that into account probably over this stretch you'd expect liverpool to concede maybe more chances but i mean their recent defensive numbers have been much better than city's so it's, in, it's an interesting parallel to compare between a season-long and their most recent form. What do you think about their defense? Like, who's more solid at the moment?
0: Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about defense in a minute. We're doing attacking data <laughs> okay. at the moment. I mean, it is it is interesting with, with City, though, and we'll, we'll touch on this in a sec. But you know, you've got I completely that is exactly what's happening. You've got City with the better underlying numbers as we talk about, but they do they do they do seem to concede more, especially from the from the big chances. So Liverpool have a better. And I don't think there's anything to do with necessarily the goalkeeper because I think the goalkeepers are pretty evenly matched. You could even argue that probably Edison is is the better half out of, out of the two. Um, but anyway, we're going to focus on the attacking data now. Um, I mean, City haven't got a recognised striker, right? And that's been the kind of... Everyone was billing that as being the problem um, for them this season. They haven't really struggled to, con- you know, to, to score goals. But Liverpool have not only scored more goals, they've got a better goal difference now, which could be crucial going into the final stage of the season. And they've added Diaz to the mix. Do you, I mean, City have arguably got the better run in, but do you still fancy Liverpool to get more between now and the end of the season?
1: I think the attacking stats are better for Liverpool and they have been all season long. They've been better in the last six game weeks. They've been better since January as this sort of shows as well. And the fact that they've bolstered their numbers with, as you said, Diaz and and Jota, obviously, um, they've got these five strikers, five really, really good strikers compared to City's you know wealth of options that might play in different positions across uh different games I think Liverpool's attack is just a little bit better than City's mm-hmm. it's a little bit more pertinent and I think um they will score more goals than City until the end of the season I think it's a really interesting dynamic where Liverpool's probably got a slightly better attack but slightly weaker defensively where City's slightly the opposite They've got a slightly weaker attack going forward. I mean, it's very difficult to say City's got a weaker attack because obviously they, they have the capability of scoring tons and tons of goals. I think it's just their solidity in defence which really, you know, it sets them apart. And it would be interesting to see when they do play each other in 32 mm. what, the, what the result will be because I think we both have differing opinions about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, Man City's goal conversion is 10.6%, which is, you know, kind of... Up there with with the best. I mean, Liverpool's is thirteen point four, which is kind of the third best, I think, on the list, uh, just behind Spurs, interestingly, and Chelsea over the the same period. So Chelsea are are actually struggling to create chances, um, but they're putting them away. And now they've got Havertz up front and and not relying so much on Werner and Lukaku. Don't seem like they can hit a barn door. That's kind of um, massively improving them. But I mean, Man uh, City—they've played nine games since the beginning of January. Um, They've scored eleven out of their twenty-nine big chances. Uh, whereas Liverpool, they've played a game more, but they've had thirty-eight big chances uh, and conceded and scored twenty-three of them. So Liverpool are, have got better underlying numbers in generally, and they are better at converting them uh, too. So I don't think there is any argument to be made that that Liverpool should score more goals between now and the end of the season, given that they have this kind of better attack. Um, but like you say, and we'll come onto the defence now. It's not all about the attack because when you when we compare the the, the defences. Um, between the two. It's Man City that come out on top uh, and they're the best just by such a long distance when it comes to his underlying numbers. Minutes per chance conceded every 15.5 minutes. Liverpool are second best, uh, 11.7. And there's, with these numbers, there's often not a lot separating, you know, some of the teams. So Chelsea are 11.6. So they're far and away the three best sides, and then it drops down to Arsenal, 9.7, Southampton, 9.4, Villa, 8.9, not a huge amount separating these. So for City to be that far ahead just shows how difficult it is for, for teams to create chances against
1: them. Yeah, they just have such time on the ball, don't they? I mean, when you talk about expected goals and all that sort of stuff, that you really need to give the opponents like a little bit of possession for them in order to construct mm. some shots. And City just dominate every single game in terms of possession and really just don't give those opportunities. I mean, yes, they are, uh, historically very vulnerable from set pieces that has been tightened up in the most recent past, but you know, there's still ways to get at city and, um, but, but it just shows that their defense is so solid. Like you, I think if, if I asked you a question, as was like, who would you bet on which team would be most secure of scoring a goal in a certain game? I think Liverpool. Are probably up there and if I said to you which team would you bet your house on that would keep a clean sheet out of any of the 20 teams playing you'd probably go for City mm. so that's just evidence enough that that's the those are the strengths of the two teams and it's gonna be you know a battle of ice and fire at, at the end of the day in 32
0: a song of ice and fire <laughs> one could say if one liked Game of Thrones uh, anymore uh, yeah I agree I mean the thing with City though is they, they do concede goals uh, I mean, you know, the, the things on there, I mean, we've got, you know, City with, with these numbers, they've conceded six goals uh, in, in nine matches. Liverpool have conceded four goals in 10 matches. So when it comes to that crucial stat, it is actually Liverpool who who come out, you know, with, with the more clean sheets since, since January, which is interesting um and that's been a pattern that city have had for for quite a while I mean don't get me wrong they're very consistent with the clean sheets they get there I, I think and I think you're right in a given match I think they're always the team that you would you would back but they do have a habit don't they of conceding you know a team doesn't have many chances against them and still manages to find a way through them could it's that like, be a problem for them between you, and the end of the season
1: yeah potentially. it's the same sort of um thing that Newcastle are suffering from because their expected stats defensively have you know absolutely improved so much. They've just got a habit of scoring one goal in every match and maybe city, are, you know, prone to doing that recently as well. And I think there's just element of fortune is in that, to be honest. I mean, I think there is a recipe for keeping clean sheets. Obviously you have to have a good defense, but you've also have to keep, um, you know, those clutch goals out at the end of the day, that one token goal that you're going to concede and match that has to be kept out. So there's a huge reliance on your goalkeeper to be on form throughout the entirety of the season. So maybe Edison's just letting it slip at the moment. Um, and maybe the same is happening for Newcastle. Maybe Allison's just upped his game. He's just keeping that one goal that blocks out the clean sheet. He's just keeping that out at the moment. Maybe that's, maybe that's form. Maybe that's goalkeeper form. Who knows? I think, in general, would you say it's down to fortune if you're just going to concede one goal a game? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it
0: so much depends on, you know, the, the striker in question, how good their conversion is, how many, you know, whether, whether they have had a bad morning that morning or have they had a good game and, you know, all this form going into it and stuff. Obviously, you know, it's, it is it is really true. I mean, when you've, got, when you've got numbers kind of as close as these two teams are, but you've got City edging it on, on pretty much every metric in, in terms of you know the the amount of attempts they concede, the big chances they concede, all of this stuff, and then you have a team that they they do actually concede more goals than the other side. I, th- I think it does just come down to something kind of out, of out of our control. All we can do is pick defenders from from the kind of the best underlying numbers side, especially when it comes to the top sides where we know they've got an elite goalkeeper um, behind the scenes. Um, one thing I want to mention is uh, there's kind of a, a, a sort of a two-way thing with, with Liverpool. So, Matip has come in this season completely out of the cold. I never expected Matip to be a regular start. You know, they signed uh, Canate in the... Uh, in Is it Canate? Yeah. It uh, yeah, so, Matip's kind of coming out of the cold. They've signed a Canate. They've got Gomez now back from injury. Uh, you know, Van Dyke's obviously there. They've got, you know, they needed to strengthen after, you know, last season when they had, like, what, Nat Phillips uh, and that Norwich. It was the Norwich defender that's, that's there now. Um, Kabak. It's was Kabak, wasn't it? Kabak and Phillips.
1: Oh, it's he's out on loan, of course, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so you know they, that was like a priority for them to strengthen, and they and they did, but they haven't really used that that new kind of big money signing as much. And, and Matip has been well one of the players of the season, I think, alongside Van Dijk. Whereas on the other side, Man City, you know John Stones, that incredible season he had last season, you know one of the best players for us as well uh, in the Euros, and has barely got a look in this year because of because of Laporte. What do you make of like stones is kind of a mission and, and Laporte sort of coming in
1: it's a difficult one, isn't it? Cause I, I think three of the three of them, Diaz Laporte, and stones are all, are all decent defenders. Like, Diaz was absolutely, you know, arguably better than van Dyke at one point, but he's just taken a little bit of a step off, uh, recently, I would say, um, I think the omission of stones is probably a little bit upsetting and a little bit unfair from his perspective. I mean, you know, Pep's tried to squeeze him in at right back occasionally here and yeah. there and that probably just shows his his uh, faith in the player like how versatile this guy is and how you know what a credit to the side he is in terms of defense defensive prowess he's definitely ironed out those mistakes that definitely was prone to a few seasons ago um, he's definitely upped his game and I think it's you know I I think City's squad depth is such that you know Pep can't rotate for the sake of it but he needs to play his best players at all times and if he values support and Diaz over stones just like by a marginal factor he's going to play those two guys more often than not so it's a bit upsetting for stones but you know it's really nice to have that option just in case they need someone to play center back especially with this huge, hectic run of fixtures that both teams, Liverpool and City have upcoming. We'll talk about that in a minute, but yeah, squad depth, hugely important for both sides.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, Stones got in, into the pitch didn't because, because Laporte was out and Stones played so well that he kind of wasn't able to drop him. I don't think Laporte has been as good this season as Stones was last season, but, you kind of create this partnership and and then you Pep obviously doesn't want to break it up once that partnership's kind of established. And I think there's no question that Laporte would have gone in January if he hadn't been first choice. I mean, you know, he's a Spanish international defender. He's one of the best defenders probably in, in world football. Yeah, whereas Matip, I mean Matip kind of coming out of the car, I mean you have got to be impressed with with his his performances, right? As a Liverpool fan, not
1: a Chelsea fan, I always I keep getting you confused with no my dad's a Chelsea fan um but yeah no I, I'm a big Liverpool fan I, I think Matip has been I don't know whether it's been such a shock to me that Matt has been so good this year because I kind of always rated him um to do the job you know maybe not to rival Van Dijk in that um you know superiority to be the headline setter but he certainly had his fair share of goals this season I think that's you know definitely going to make him a headline maker and I think you know other than the fact that he's raised his game defensively this season it, I'm just not sure it surprised me that much because I he has done the job in the past but still it's incredibly refreshing to have that partnership with Van Dijk really constant for both players fit for the marginal for the last part right? of the season yeah exactly and- that's
0: the key with massive because I've, I've seen massive play you know in, in previous seasons and, and thought this is a hell of a play like he's he's, he's- Ability on the balls, fantastic. He's strong in the air. He's, he's a good defender, but just seemed to break down every match. And now he hasn't been doing that. And he's put a run. I think he's, he's kind of showing how how good he can be. What do you think this means for um, Gomez, though, going forward?
1: Surely he can't stay. I mean, we mentioned squad depth earlier. And, um, you know, we, we saw City have those, uh, those second right backs and left backs in um, Sinchenko and and the likes of um, Ake, who could do a job there. But, I mean, for a Liverpool, you kind of need someone to fill in at right-back, to fill in at left-back. And obviously, we have Simakas for Robertson. Gomez can do a job uh, at right-back uh, when Trent is out. And I know Milner can as well, but Mona's get, Milner's getting on a bit. And, um, you know, having a squad player like Gomez who can, who can do a job there is really, really useful. I know he's a centre-back. I know he's been excellent. I'm not surprised if, if he would be tempted with a move away. But we need we need that that strength in depth to to cover um, all of these additional competitions that we're playing in and succeeding in, uh, and that's the end of the story really. Gomez to me should
0: should be starting for England. He he should he should be an English like regular starter, and he was getting to that point when he was playing regularly for Liverpool. But he's played one hundred and five minutes this season. He's had one start for Liverpool against Norwich in game week twenty six. Like he has to leave for, for the sake of his career because he's he's not going to get anywhere near the England squad in in you know and we've got no centre backs like at the moment we're talking about Maguire and thinking how is he even in the squad you take Maguire out our our defence is probably something like Duncan Mings yeah that's, that's what we're looking at you know Connor Cody Connor yeah. Cody got Tamori okay but we've got a lot of like kind of average to mediocre centre backs kind of in the running I think Tamori is is arguably kind of one of our, well probably our best option at the moment but who partners him. Um I don't know. And I think Gomez has got to be looking at it and thinking, I should I should be breaking into I should be playing regularly for England, making that
1: centre back my own. Where does he go though? That's the interesting question. Who, who needs a centre back? I mean, maybe Leicester, because Soyonchu hasn't um exactly been the same sort of player this season as he was last. But I guess that has been affected by his 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 mm. partner's injuries in terms of Vafana and, and Evans. Yeah, I did another injury-prone centre back to Leicester.
0: Let's uh, yeah. <laughs> stock them up. They've got Evans, they've got Soyuncu, they've got Justin. All these guys, strength in yeah. numbers. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really like Gomez. I think he's he was um, he he benefited massively from being alongside Van Dyke, obviously, and and that maybe made him look, you know, even better than he actually is. But I still don't see why he can't play for a, a top six, seven club. I mean, maybe even someone like Spurs, for example. You know, getting rid of, you know, some of the some of the different. I mean, they've got. They've got, got Romero, but they've got Dyer, Davies, and not a huge amount of other players, and they play through the back. Maybe that's a kind of a the, the system that would suit Gomez. Yeah. Yeah, not really sure. Um, Liverpool fans, well, Liverpool fans like you were like me saying that uh, he should go to Spurs. Um, <laughs> while we're talking about Liverpool, then let's take a look at their FPL sort of options sort of going forward. So, again, the stats are from the members' area. Uh, I filtered it by minutes per FPL point. Does this surprise you? Top of the list, Andrew
1: Robertson. Not a recent form. I think Robertson has been sensational and, um, it's pretty scary going without him in, in my FPL team. Um, I think he is the best third option for Liverpool, uh, if you're going to treble up in, in the coming weeks or already have because Jota and Diaz, even though they might be decent attacking options, just that rotation threat. Uh, and this is part and parcel with the both the boostering of, of Liverpool squad, seven or eight players. That can vie for forward, the forward positions that can vie for the midfield positions um robertson and trent are as nailed as it comes obviously mm. you know salah as well but robertson is just you know head and shoulders at the moment and the fact that he has clean sheet points to add to those attacking uh returns is just an absolute bonus so <laughs> with Cancelo, with reese james with andrew robertson who on earth do you go for it's um you Know they're providing a hell of a lot more value than any of the forwards at the moment. I mean, it's it's not just like one or two
0: games where with Robertson, his kind of well outperforming Trent, for example, and outperforming you know, um, I'm just going to check this, it's taking ages to load. I think Robertson has got the best point minutes per point since January of all players, yeah. So, every uh, uh FPL point every 9.9 9 minutes is the joint best in the league since the beginning of January with Mares, but of course, with Mares, you have the you know, the, the constant fear of him not starting. Um, you know, sometimes he plays 20 minutes and still gets a goal. Sometimes he plays 90 and, and blanks. That's just who Myra's is. Whereas the consistency of Robertson, he plays every match, you know, and, and for Robertson to be that player, I mean, he's outscoring Salah, you know, even even when Salah plays, he's outscoring Trent, for example. Trent's is 13.7. I've got Robertson in my team. I haven't got Cancelo, but I have to say, I, I think I've, I've made the right call there. Even though Cancelo does worry me a bit, I think the, the double up with Robertson and Trent between now and the end of the season is is pretty powerful.
1: I think I need to go four. I think I need to go Trent, Robertson, Cancelo, and like Rhys James or mm. Rudiger, someone like that, because four at the back just seems absolutely fantastic value at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting how the impact of maybe Cancelo or Robertson might um, influence the title race, like whether or not you know if one player is better than the other whether that increases one team's chance uh, of winning the league, I, I wonder. Because Robertson probably adds a little bit more attacking threat, and that could be the difference. Mm. That could be yep. the difference. Yep, very true. Uh, looking at some of the other options. I mean, Matip
0: is uh, fourth on the list. Uh, uh, minutes per point of 12.4. Every 12.4 minutes, he, he gets you a point. That's better than Trent, 13.7. That's better than Van Dijk, 13.8. Uh, it's better than Diaz, who you know often scores and then comes to the bench. I mean, Matip's points are actually... It's actually, a, a, I think we've we've got to take note of him, right? Because we're looking for differentials, which around the end of the season, you're talking about premium defenders and things. Do you not think there's a case maybe to now that we know that we're not going to probably go near Jota, Mane, um, Firmino, unless we unless there's some injuries around. That third Liverpool spot is probably between Robertson and and Matip. I, I would say, and you can save a lot of money going for Matip over Robertson.
1: I wonder why he's got such a, a good mince per point i think it is it is he a bonus magnet is he just being a little bit more reliable with the starts is he getting the he's clean th- sheets when other people aren't he's had two assists in that time
0: uh he got 11 points against leicester he got 12 points against leeds uh, in the 6-0 uh he got 12 points against brighton as well got the assist so you know th- these are these are from corners kind of flick-ons from from corners uh, as well these assists so i think that that definitely helps him um, he's, was, not, he, he's not a bonus magnet, to be fair. I mean, Liverpool score so many goals. Often the the defenders don't don't get in them, unless they're Robertson and, and Trent, who have you know got an assist or multiple assists. If Liverpool just get a clean sheet and he doesn't
1: get anything, then he, he doesn't often come into it. But he's flying under the radar, isn't he? And we he we is. often overlook the fact that you know we always, often think that Van Dijk is the main threat from set pieces. The fact that they have world class right backs left backs taking the corners. Trent Alexander Arnold's delivery is absolutely fantastic, and Robertson's not exactly far away. Matip is under the radar; he's getting these attacking returns for set pieces. How much? How much is he? Five point four million or something like that. Matip is four point nine. Four point nine. Exactly.
0: <laughs> that's exactly. Enough. That's my that's my point, and and I think as well. Like we'll we'll come on to well we'll come on to City now because City have got Laporte right. So let's let's say Matip is your Robertson um differential you know you're, you're going against him that's 4.9 compared to what 7.1 or whatever it is uh, you're, you're thinking about Laporte for City being the kind of Cancelo cheaper option okay you've got Stones there as well Stones is just 5.2 but Diaz is going to be back and all the signs point to um uh Stones being the one that, that drops out but Laporte is uh is 5.8 million so he's 0.9 more so if I'm looking at one of Laporte or or uh, Matip I, I think Matip's the one, to, the one to get
1: it's interesting I, I saw your um, was it wildcard draft I think mm. from 31 and it had De Bruyne in it as the third premium and you're going to have to cost card if you go for three premiums so the yep. likes of Matip the likes of Laporte in these top teams absolutely cost saving um, absolutely genius. I think you've got
0: to you've got to and, and looking at the Man City uh, defenders so Cancelo worries me right I watch him play He's hit the post like 20 times in the last like four weeks. He's he's so relentlessly attacking. He shoots all the time. But when it comes to FPL points, he's still flattering to deceive a bit. I mean, he's got eight assists this season, which is his best best return of a double of, of what he got last year. But Laporte has a better minutes per FPL point than Cancelo. So does Diaz. So does Stones when he plays at just 15. So these are multiple defenders who are actually outscoring. Cancelo but Cancelo is so popular and everyone's so hopeful that he's going to get these you know the, these big numbers which he's capable of but if like you say if you're going to go for three premiums, if you're going to try and and, and spread the funds around and, and maybe you're getting Rhys James and Robertson and all this I don't think going for Laporte over Cancelo is too bad an idea and now watch him score back-to-back doubles
1: I agree I owned Laporte earlier in the season and he's definitely got that attacking threat from set pieces like he's He's got a few goals, um, and absolutely fantastic. He can make up for it. The problem is with Cancelo is he does this, he's done this last couple of seasons that when you watch him, you go crikey, I need, to, I need to have this player. He's insane. He just shoot on site, but he never converts them as much as you think he should in order to justify that price tag. There's only a few occasions in the season where he gets a massive score it's not as consistent as the likes of robertson or trent in my opinion and um therefore i reckon you can probably budget save a little bit um by going for someone else other than Cancelo. but oh, then we're both gonna regret saying that then <laughs> then again you know we're just making excuses to try and spread the funds around our squad if, if anyone's in a situation where they need to build a squad to bench boost and don't have a wild card if you need to navigate these these uh, double and blank game weeks and have 14 or 15 playing players rather than going with fodder you're going to have all of this fun spread around your squad you're going to need to be able to shop for budget players like Matic like Laporte and and feel comfortable to compromise against Cancelo and the likes of Robertson um it just is what it is and hopefully you know the the damage isn't contained too badly so yeah (laughs) that is a really good shout
0: yeah, I mean, you look at Liverpool's um, kind of kind of numbers. So you look at Alexander Arnold; uh, he's created twenty-three chances. Uh, you look at Robertson; he's created twenty. This is this is since January. Uh, you look at Man City. You look at the, look at Man City. And you look at Cancelo; well, he's created seven chances since the beginning of January. So I know Cancelo is an elite player, but I just feel like Trent and Robertson are are still. They're still up here, and even though Cancelo's points are kind of match that because he, he, you know, he's got the clean sheets and he's he's got these kind of big holes in him, I still think Robertson and, and Trent are, th- are the ones that have revolutionised that that defender spot. Cancelo is approaching that stage. Reese James is a pre- is approaching
1: that stage as well, but Robertson and Trent are still the kings. Still the kings for me. Completely agree. And you know, I all I do this sort of big small chances thing and um, I think mainly Trent and Robertson get most of their points from creating big chances for their teammates which are much easier to convert whereas Cancelo like you just said not as many chances created which implies that he's more of a shooter rather Mm. than a creator and when you're looking at him playing he's shooting from outside the box quite a lot those are called small chances and the average conversion rate for a small chance is about five percent for the average player, as opposed to 50% for a big chance. And he's probably not even converting at that 5%, which it means he needs to have a hundred shots in the entire season or whatever the, the data ranges to score five goals. He's not going to come close to that. I don't think because he, he doesn't have that elite capability, like a Mares, like a, a Mane, like a Danny Ings back in the day, who used to convert over and above that range. I think that's so an for me excellent point yeah, yeah I, I think he he flatters to deceive i think you put it nicely earlier yeah i agree with that hi everyone just taking a break here to mention this podcast is sponsored
0: by BetterHelp. that's a better h-e-l-p we all know that everything that's going on in the world is putting a strain on all of us and reaching out to speak to someone is a good idea uh, if you are struggling BetterHelp is an app that can help improve your mental health and you can match with your own licensed professional therapist within 48 hours. It provides a secure online platform for professional therapy who have a broad range of experience, and this might not always be available locally to you. It lets you do this from your own home, through video or phone sessions at times that suit you. You can even log into the app and send a message to your therapist 24-7 who will reply with a timely and thoughtful response. Note that it's also more affordable uh, than traditional offline therapy, and there is financial aid available to you too uh, if you don't get on with your therapist you can change therapists for free note this is a us app but there are clients worldwide over 2 million of them uh, but do bear in mind of the time differences if you do decide to sign up uh, you can visit the website which is betterhelp.com better, uh, you can check out the reviews betterhelp.com forward slash reviews uh, there's people who said that they love it because they hate going uh, places and they don't feel comfortable um, doing so but they they've you know felt really good doing it through better help uh, other people have said that they're quick to respond to their messages kind and understanding and they feel comfortable opening up um, over the app without fear of being judged so if you like the sound of that you can get 10 percent off your first month just go to betterhelp, better help uh, dot com, forward slash scouts that get you 10 percent off your first month and you can join all the people uh, that are using the app
1: let's talk about the um The fixture run for both of these teams because it's it's pretty i think it's probably the most important factor that we're going to have a uh, that's going to influence the title race um like certainly the form for these two teams liverpool won five back to back whereas city have lost one and drawn one recently against palace yeah tons of games upcoming how do you see uh the fixture schedule how's that going to influence title race well i think city have got the easier run
0: if you look at it kind of on paper, I mean, you look at you look at Liverpool's run. They've got uh, City. That obviously the big game against City. Uh, straight after that, they're going to a big game against United as well. Which obviously they battered them earlier in the season. But you know, you've, you've got to think that's probably not going to happen again. Right? you is surely going to get them get them a little bit better at least. And, and Liverpool will have to be on it again. And they've got Spurs as well. Other than Liverpool, City doesn't don't don't play any teams kind of in, in this kind of top four. The only team in the top six, if you want to call them that, they play is West Ham. Um, away, but they've got games against Brighton, Watford, Leeds, Newcastle. These are all very, very winnable games. So we, we've both done our both done our predictions on, on how we think uh, this is going to go. We've both tipped this to be a very, very exciting uh, title race. Uh, let's just, I'll get that on the screen now. So these these are our kind of predictions for the remaining fixtures. So I've gone for um, seven wins uh, for Man City, one loss and one draw. The loss I've given them is the crucial one because I think Liverpool beat them. Um, In that kind of deciding, deciding match, even though it's uh, the Etihad, I just fancy Liverpool, I fancy Liverpool to win the league and I fancy City to win the cup. That's how I think it's going to go this season. Um, And that game is completely crucial. You've gone the other way, which is really interesting. You've gone for City to win that game, but still lose the league to Liverpool on goal difference (laughs) (laughs) I love a bit of drama that's what do. absolutely so you've given you've given uh City six wins and three draws so you're kind of tipping their maybe their lack of conversion to to kind of be a bit of a hindrance for them um in
1: some of these games yeah Uh, and we can try and try and explain that um like I did a little bit digging like on the results this season and um over the course of the entire season, all of the points that City and Liverpool have dropped, barring one match each at the start of the season, so barring um, City's loss to Spurs in game week one and barring uh, Liverpool's draw to Chelsea in game week three, all of their points dropped have come from games where they've been preceded by a midweek game. We have got so many midweek games come up, coming up in the in the Champions League, in the Cup, uh, and then the semi-finals of the Champions League coming up. There is a non-stop midweek game for both of these teams in the next six or seven game weeks. So I can just see there's going to be points dropped here or there in some innocuous game. And um, Do you know what's really interesting about that? What's really interesting about that is that we're actually
0: seeing probably the most settled Man City side that we've seen since Pep's been in the Premier League. And if we just look back quickly at the um, at the kind of the, uh, the the Man City table, you look at the likes of uh, Grealish; he's at the bottom in terms of minutes per points. He's he's just not performing kind of to the level that he's got. I mean, Gabriel Jesus he was had a really good start to the season, hasn't really performed now until the end of the season. And it's interesting that Pep isn't making changes really. Like they were against Palace, nil nil. I don't think he made a single sub. And I just wonder if that lack of Almost, it seems ridiculous to say City have got a lack of depth because, of course, they haven't. But I, I, I just think with these midweek games, when the, when the players are a bit more tired, in previous seasons we've seen him bring on players who make a huge difference off the bench. I mean, Gundogan, for example, is, is barely getting a look in, even though, even with the season that, that he had. And when he when he plays, he does pretty well. But Pep isn't isn't trusting him, isn't bringing him on in the in these kind of tight games. Whereas Liverpool Liverpool can bring on Diaz, they can bring on you know Jones. They've got lots of different players that can that can change a game and i wonder if that's it's not just the striker of city they're missing i wonder if maybe they've got players who who can really make an impact when they're when they're you know struggling a little bit
1: it's really yeah absolutely the dynamic has definitely changed i think the lack of jesus this season has really you know the lack of that squad player that's really influenced he's dynamic enough to be versatile to play in any position the lack of options. He's had problems throughout the season where Grealish and Foden have been on the naughty step or some yeah. injuries here and there. If he's trying to settle and play in a different way and play with a, you know, a first choice, first 11, more often than not, then that's going to influence their squad depth. That's going to influence things when, when all of these really intense one of fixtures happen. Uh, so maybe that's a, a feather in Liverpool's cap, but, um, yeah, I, I think there's going to be points dropped from, from both teams probably in the coming weeks. Um, let me try and justify, like, why I think City are probably going to beat Liverpool. I think <laughs> they, they both have easy games in 31 against Watford and Burnley. I, I would expect both of them to steamroll both sides. But then they've got the first quarterfinal in the Champions League. Liverpool play Benfica. Benfica are arguably an easier opponent than Atletico, who have City play city play atletico at home whereas liverpool have to travel to benfica and then they have to travel to city at the etihad that's two away games in the space of three or four days where city have got two home games uh you know the same same length of recovery period but i think still city have that slight edge in terms of the recovery and i think their defense probably just holds out Liverpool. Um, and you know, it pains me to say it as a Liverpool fan, obviously if I was completely biased, I would say, yeah, Liverpool gonna win that because my heart would say they're gonna win that. But realistically I think their squad depth is sufficient enough to be stronger throughout the course of the rest of the season, as opposed to cities who I think probably struggle a little bit more, but I think city with their record against Liverpool, in the last three or four seasons this is a good season because i know you've got a good segue i should say <laughs> it is because <laughs> you've got a table for this i think city have been a little bit stronger in those areas yep lovely segue ted almost, <laughs> almost, almost like we planned this uh yeah so this is
0: uh there's two two kind of charts on, on the screen um it's the premier league results of the last couple of seasons between liverpool and man city and man city do have the edge they've won three uh, lost one and drawn three city have only won one league match against city um in the last three seasons uh which surprised me because i remember you know uh that the season before that there was that really epic 4-3 win and that was the same season when liverpool kind of dumped them out of the champions league as well um unceremoniously but city city have got the edge on them i mean there's, there's only been one game um in the last three years without a goal and that was the the nil 0 at the start of the eighteen nineteen season but City have had some pretty, you know, big wins over that time. They won four 0 at home against Liverpool in nineteen twenty. They won four one at Anfield last season. That's when Liverpool were kind of struggling um, a lot more than they are now. Um, so there's goals uh, in, in these games normally. I think last season was 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 maybe a bit of a write off one for, for Liverpool, especially because it happened kind of towards the back end when when City won that game four one. Early in the season, they drew one um, all. So it's a bit even. Whatever way you look at it, it's, it's a really, really even match. I think there's going to be goals in it that I don't think a team wins, you know, 1-0. I think it's going to be a 2-1 or a 3 So It's going to be an epic, epic game. I just fancy Liverpool with, with the with the attacking options they've got. I mean, they could go to Benfica and they could play, you know, uh, Firmino, Diaz and, and Salah. And then they could go to the, the Etihad and play Mane, Jota and Salah. And, they've you know, they've rested two of their the key attackers that I think Diaz coming in and having the impact he's had Klopp's described it as a miracle and I think it is because when you've got a player like that who can just slot in so easily it just gives you a bit of breathing space to kind of focus on these these multiple um, competitions uh, that they're in so I'm really excited for that game it's going to be massive absolutely massive massive. it's going to
1: be I, I think it might be comforting to Liverpool fans if we do end up losing that game there are still ways that we can win the league um as per my prediction I think yeah exactly <laughs> the, the best um i think the most poignant uh fixtures the rest of the season after that match are liverpool versus spurs yeah. because spurs is a massive banana skin city have been beaten by spurs both times this season and i think spurs have done the double with uh against them was it last season or the previous season where they had like two shots in the entire match and then scored from both well, of those conte, shots
0: conte loves these games doesn't he he loves setting his team up to and particularly against the liverpool side who are going to come and attack it, it just suits that you know drop deep and counter-attack liverpool playing the high line it suits son because going to enjoy it i mean that that like you said that's going to be an amazing game um as well and and again that that could that could have a massive impact
1: on on this i just i i think the city have these um these rivalries with specific teams like the bogey teams they've they've lost against palace this season they've drawn against palace they haven't won against palace this season the same with saints they've drawn against them twice they lost to spurs twice the only other side only other time they lost points was against liverpool in that draw so they've only really lost points against four teams three of which was a double Mm. double header which they didn't get any 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 wins again so it's weird that they're isolating to specifically to two teams i wonder whether that means that they're just immune to playing any other team or whether they just got their tactics right those teams but against liverpool liverpool lost points against brighton they lost it against brentford weirdly um they've lost against sorry they've drawn against spurs they've drawn against brighton they've drawn against chelsea twice so I think Brighton could be the one that maybe causes um, Man City, maybe. I could absolutely confirm that we will not cause City any problems.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is is an absolute given uh, that, that Man City will win that, the way we're playing.
1: I'm afraid. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, okay, that bank. Was, that wasn't I wouldn't one. bank on that. I <laughs> wouldn't on my draw um, hopes. I, I think and City probably will steamroll Watford and Leeds. Newcastle maybe, maybe a draw. Who knows? Um, and then West Ham aren't exactly in great form, so maybe West Ham is the banana skin. I really don't know. But
0: yeah, I think Wolves end, is an interesting one because interesting
1: Liverpool one. play Wolves at
0: home on the final day of the season, at which point Wolves are pretty much going to be. You know, nothing to play for. Eighth in the league, whatever. City play Wolves away, uh, probably in thirty-six. And I wonder if if Wolves will just be a little bit more up for that. You know, at, you know, at home, you know, they might still be harbouring some faint hope that they can get into the <laughs> into the Champions League or you know at least into the Europa. Whereas I think realistically, that's probably going to be dashed by by the last of the season. Um, that's the draw that, that's a draw I've given to to City. I, I think
1: Wolves could be a, could, could be quite tough. I think I did the same, but that's a really good point. I think the fact that this season, unlike other seasons, there is a lot to play for. Like the videos that you've done recently with Janny and Tom, the battle for the top four, the relegation race, the title race, it's all very much open. We're gonna have a lot of teams with a lot to play for. And I wonder how much that influences the title race. Um, with the teams who are yet to play Liverpool and City, they need results. So maybe they try that little bit harder at the end of the season, um, as they post, maybe didn't do at the end of last season or the previous one. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. But... I mean, you'd, you'd like to hope everyone would try in every game, wouldn't you? But I think realistically, <laughs> there, there, is, there is definitely motivation.
0: I mean, say you've got Villa at home on, on the final day and, and Villa are, are going to be, you know, they're going to be like ninth or something and, and won't have anything to play for I And mean, Gerald will try and get them up for it. But I think... I, I, I think just I think that game is just an easy, a fairly routine win for both sides. So I think it's going to be decided um, before that um, as, as to who kind of wins the league. Or if it goes into your prediction, it's going to come down to goal difference, which is uh, which is really exciting. Which obviously is Liverpool's um, at the moment, and th- and this week could be big for that because Liverpool playing Watford, uh, City playing Burnley. City always hammer Burnley, uh, so they're going to be hope- hopeful to kind of claw a bit, but.
1: You know Watford could easily what was the score earlier really in the season four nil was it five nil Liverpool. five so yeah. Yeah, yeah i expect a demolition as well but yeah. um yeah, yeah I, I really don't know whether both sides will play full strength uh against Watford and Burnley. i considering the the fixture schedules following that um it i know it's coming off an international break i don't know whether salah is going to be playing both games for for egypt against senegal um and likewise with plenty plenty of the city squad It could be a decent time to rest um, and do a full squad rotation, which isn't ideal for FPL, um, but it kind of would make sense. I mean, Liverpool playing City in 32, and then they're playing them again in the FA Cup. And likewise, you know, City playing Liverpool twice in the space of two weeks, either side of the Champions League quarterfinals. Mm. It is a hectic schedule. (laughs) It is, yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, The final thing I just want to mention is um, the season run-ins. Because uh, I, I found this quite interesting as well. So in eighteen nineteen, Liverpool man City were neck, neck, neck and neck, right? Going into the final sort of eight eight game weeks of the season. Um, basically, Liverpool just dropped points to Everton, which meant City went ahead. And the message was if City win every game between now and the end of the season, uh, they'll win the league. Uh you know, assuming Liverpool win all their games and everyone's like, ah, oh, you know, there'll probably be some talking just like us. Well, we probably are now. There must be some drop points at some point. No, both teams went on to claim 24 points from 24 points. So you talk about, you know, spurring each other on um, and City won the league that year by by one point, um, which Liverpool, you know, will rue. Drawing, I think they drew nil-nil with, with Everton, um, which, which no one predicted. There's, so in 1920, uh, Liverpool were, were miles clear at the top of the league. Um, they won 17 points from 24. Man City won 18, so pretty even. Um, and then last year, uh, Man City had already won the league. Um, they were they were masking. Liverpool were were struggling, but they basically needed a really strong end of the season to claim that top four spot. And Liverpool got 20 out of 24 points to claim top four, and City only got 12, so they only got half the amount of points that they were they were capable of getting. So it's just interesting that they, you know, these teams have had different things to to play for. When, um, you know, when Liverpool needed to pull it out of the bag, they did. You know, twice in the last three seasons, um, and and City um, as well in, in that season as well. I just wonder if this favors Liverpool, though, because they have that extra season of history when they needed. To, this was only last year. They needed to win all those matches, and they did. And with City dropping points against Palace already, I wonder if if the if that kind of history
1: favors Liverpool. I think this chart is really insightful just to show how teams results will shift when priorities change yep. for each team. So back in was it 1819 was the first year um they had such a close competition in the Premier League. So the pressure was on to make sure that they kept up with each other 24 points each. Absolutely just destroyed it whereas the subsequent Two years, either one of the teams had just completely destroyed it and their priorities might have shifted towards maximizing their position in the Premier League or switching to the Champions League, um, as City did last year. I mean, City were both in, they got to the, was it the semi finals of, they got knocked out by Chelsea in the FA Cup final and the semi finals of the Champions League. So their attention had massively changed. No, they, they played Chelsea in the final. Yeah, yeah, the final of the Champions yeah. League. Sorry, I've got it the other way around. Um, final of the Champions League and the semi-finals of the FA cup. That's it. Um, but in, in, either, in either, either case, they, they got to the latter stages of both competitions, whereas Liverpool got no- knocked out of the FA cup in January and they got knocked out of the champions league by real Madrid. And I think it was in the quarterfinals. So both teams had a massive shift in priorities. Liverpool really didn't have that much to play for last yeah. season. So you could see with, with city only getting 12 points out of 24 possible um in the in the last eight last season that's really interesting whether it was just a shift in priorities or whether the squad depth for targeting the other competitions really took its toll on City in the Premier League it's really interesting I wonder what whether that applies this season with the amount of fixtures that both sides have whether that will take its toll on both sides or whether the fact that they are so close together in points really piles the pressure on really drives their determination for getting results Mm. you could look at it through through both lenses
0: I, I, I just think if I'm thinking of a team who are more likely to find a way to win a game in which they're struggling in I think Liverpool are that team this season, I think Liverpool have got more options off the bench. They're finding a way more often than not. They've got these incredible set plays from from Trent uh, Robertson's playing out of his skin. You've got all these players playing at kind of the top of the game that, that can that can suddenly step up. And I look at City, and yes, they're a brilliant side. They're great to watch. De Bruyne has come back and been amazing, but I just think they're the team that I think exactly like we saw in Palace. I could see that happening again um, for them down the season, and that's why you've gone for more draws um, for them between the end of the season. So, yeah, fascinating. Fascinating title race. Um, one thing we didn't really talk about, though, was was uh, just really quickly before we finish, was the Man City attackers. So I've just mentioned De Bruyne there. He's averaging uh, 12.1. Um, well, taking him 12.1 minutes to get every point, which is sort of the second best out of the City side. We're looking at Sterling, not really considering him. We're looking at kind of Gundogan. Not, obviously not going to go there. We've talked about uh, uh, Stones and Laporte and Cancel and all these guys. What about Mahrez? Any Any... I mean he's his minutes per point like i said is the best in the league with robertson when he plays jesus isn't really an option is he someone that you could take a bit of
1: a punt off between that and the end of the season don't don't make me talk about mares like <laughs> we all know what an excellent player he is what an excellent fpl player he is the big problem is just predicting when he's going to be in the lineup and i know it's a big cop out to say i'm not going to go for a player because I can't predict when he's gonna be in the lineup. I know Luke's done a fantastic job about predicting, you know, City, I think he's got an excellent record each lineup. So if you wanted to target Mares, then pay attention to Luke's predictions on social media. There's also um, other City predictions out there. The the only caveat I meant to say is that it's rotation. There's no, if Mares was just nailed on every single game, I think most of us would have him because he's just such a selfish guy in shooting. Um, you know, he's an, he would be an absolute. Worldly. He
0: will never, he, ne- he will never be that. He will never be that asset at, at City that you can rely on. I mean, the Ever- the Everton game killed him as an option for me because I think we were starting to kind of he was starting quite often, more often than not, we were starting to see a bit of a pattern in, in when he plays, and just every prediction was like, well, Mares has been benched against Spurs. He came on, scored the penalty. Like, there's no way he could be on peps naughty step for that loss it wasn't his fault he came on and, and did the best he could and then he's benched against everton for very very little reason so he's too he, i'm not going anywhere near him he's too frustrating for me i think he's the if you're chasing a mini league or if you're you know i'm i'm, I'm getting messages from from people who are like you know 40th 50th in the world and want that player that, that no one else has got that could see them going forward i think mares could be that player because if you're brave enough to punt on him he can deliver you massive massive returns But you have to be prepared for the frustration
1: that comes with only Mahrez. Uh, I completely agree. I, (laughs) I think I would, um, in the same vein go for KDB to a certain extent, but the caveat is that he's really expensive and he only really provides true value when city are scoring three or four goals a game Mm. which they're not really doing at the moment um and the reason behind that is he's one of the biggest assisters in that team Uh, if they're not scoring that many goals there's not that really that capacity to uh, get many assist points um obviously we know he can score goals as well they're normally absolute thunderbolts. Whether he scores them too often is another matter. Um, I'm tempted by KDB, to be honest, I'm tempted. But you do have to sacrifice in the rest of your squad if you're going to make him a third premium. Yeah. Um, so I think there's plenty of city options out there. We've talked about Cancelo earlier in the in the video.
0: The, the you- only one we haven't talked about is, is Foden. So Foden is fourth from bottom out of the Man City option since January for minutes per FPL point, which is crazy because he's had the most shots inside the box, he had the most touch in the penalty area uh you know he's he's playing in this kind of nine role he's been unlucky to not have as many returns as he as he's got but still he's only just ahead of like bernardo Silva, who has done nothing (laughs) for for ages um
1: i love foden i think 7.8 is still a good price for him it but has he been unlucky though i I know i think he has i think he has i've got you and jani in my ears going oh i love foden you know he's a quality player and everything Um, I agree to a certain extent, but is he someone like Cancelo that flatters to deceive to a certain extent? So it does all the right thing. Incredible technical player. When you watch him play football, you're like, wow, that's incredible. But does he have that clinical ability to put the ball in the back of the net? I'm not sure I've seen enough for him this season to say that he is an absolute must-have for the remainder of the eight or nine games. He's
0: he's, he's not a must-have. He's a nice-to-have and the trouble is that the midfield options are so important because there's so many options that you've got to have the must-haves and the nice to
1: haves are hard to to kind of fit in um this is know. the problem though that the rest of the season we're looking at oh yeah we're going to bring in loads of leicester players <laughs> you know we're, we're you know um not valuing foden's input into fpl yeah. but then we're going right we're going to bring in barnes and madison <laughs> yeah, I i've done nothing all season so yeah. <laughs> it's a really tricky one a really tricky one um I, I think Foden's a decent option at that price though don't get me wrong
0: I think City players are going under the radar and I think if you're brave and you go for the likes of Foden or Mares, De Bruyne is still the number one target but obviously hard to fit in with with Caden Salah playing the way they are but City to me are the team that that are flying under the radar and you could you could do well with if, if I was I mean, I'm I'm five five five. If I was in the top hundred and I was sort of sixty points, because I'm like a hundred and ten points off first or something like that. I like guess that's, that's not doable, really. If I was if I was like forty points off, I think I'd be going hard on City to try and to try and make that ground up because you know, most people have got you know three
1: Liverpool anyway, but not that many people have got players other than other than Cancelo for City. I really like that. To be honest, like w- we look for upside in FPL. Why not look for upside in one of the best teams in exactly. the league? Exactly. um even though they don't have many double game weeks um that you have got plenty of fixtures but if you can isolate a player that's going to play you know 80% of the games for city like sterling we haven't even mentioned sterling he's had a fantastic season yeah. like we talk about kdb but sterling's like 1 million cheaper and he's probably going to get more goals than kdb so there's plenty of options at city if you want to take a punt on yeah. one i mean we're talking about city as as you know we'd be surprised if they got three draws
0: and and no and no losses. That's kind of like that's your prediction. And even I was like, God, are they really going to draw three games? You know, that's how that's how good this this team are. Um, yeah, I'd, yeah, I think Sterling's probably. If you if you're going for Sterling, you you can reach De Bruyne for only a little bit more. But you know, with Mares and Foden both being sort of around the eight million mark, I think they're a bit more achievable. Uh, maybe right, Ted. We have gone on for long enough that is fantastic though thank you so much for joining me uh, thanks everyone for watching or listening to this uh, little series i put together this week uh thanks to jenny and tom um, as well for being great guests uh normal service next week ted you'll be back with ted talks on monday
1: yeah be back next week um business as usual looking at our teams and how to focus on game week 31 and onwards so yes looking Lovely. forward to it can't wait well i will speak to you soon and thanks everyone uh see you
0: around yeah thanks bye